Take it from me who had to learn that lesson the hard way. If you go, 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 and then you take the big hit, you're actually gonna take five steps backward. And just remind yourself that you're not doing nothing, you're filling the tank back up and that is going to, to get you farther faster. Welcome to Latitude, the show for freelancers, founders, and creators about all of the non-business parts of running a successful business. I interview folks who are defining work for themselves. We look at the mindset and methods it takes to create the latitude you need to do your most creative work. This week, I'm talking with Jason and Caroline Zook. They've grown their membership and coaching program wandering aimfully from $0 a month to over 10 k in monthly recurring revenue. More importantly, though, they've both overcome their unique versions of burnout and are owning their weird. We get more into exactly what that means, but in Jason's case, it has meant selling his last name and legally changing it to Surfer App, among a number of other unique projects. As a husband and wife team, they're aligned on a lot of things, but it's some of the differences that are the most insightful. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jason and Caroline. Really excited to talk to both of you. Um, this is the first interview that I've been interviewing two people simultaneously. <laughs> Ooh, so I think this is um, only our second ever be fun. joint podcast. Interview. Our second ever joint? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely my second joint. No, so this is kind of new for us as well. Typically, I mean, we do this on our own podcast, of course, but the interview format. So we'll we'll try to be generous with each other's time and not talk over each other. We'll find out. Can't make any promises. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, looking forward to um, talking with both of you, I guess, to kind of kick it off. Um, what's like the short version of both of your backgrounds? All right. So I am an artist. I've always been uh, an artist. I dabble in acrylic painting. Uh-oh, this, <laughs> this seems backwards. We have, we have recurring bits in yeah, our yeah, marriage, yeah, yeah. just yeah. so everyone knows. And one of Jason's favorite bits is where he speaks as me. Yeah. And usually it's when I'm frustrated. And so he'll see it on my face and he'll go, I don't know. I'm just really frustrated because you're being way too. Yeah, yeah. But he's like thinking, he's like speaking my thoughts. So anyway. Listen, Brian, if it. you. Wait, so so should we do the whole thing as you guys are going to be so. the opposite person? I think then? so. I think that's a good way to see <laughs> if our marriage will last to the end of the podcast. <laughs> Could be the greatest episode you have or the worst. We'll find out. Uh, no. Okay. I'll go first since I was already talking and yes. being an idiot. Uh, so I'm probably most well known for my I Wear Your Shirt project, which I did from 2008 to 2013. Got paid to wear t-shirts for a living using social media platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, before any of those things were really being used as we all know them today. Uh, Instagram influencers and YouTubers, and these things are extremely commonplace, but almost, well, actually 10 years ago, uh, this was not commonplace at all. So that's how I got my start. And then I went on to sell my last name. I wrote a fully sponsored book because people said that you couldn't write a book and make money with it. And I challenged that assumption uh, and did it, did it and made it work. And then I sold my future, which led to us both selling our future, which led to our new business we have together called Wandering Aimfully, which just turned one year old. One year is or one year? Um, I would go singular on Thank that. Thank you. Appreciate it's it. one year. Yeah. But, yeah and then uh, just recently published my second book, which I went the traditional publishing route, which we've now both done. And that's my full story. Thank you. Yeah, that was so concise. Was it good? Yeah. Well, I did 17 radio interviews <laughs> in the past 48 hours, so I got it down. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Impressive. Thank you. I usually take so much longer. Here comes the long-winded to... one. Let's see how it goes. I am the long-winded one, just so everyone listening knows. I will try to keep it concise. I started my career, short-lived corporate career, in the advertising world as a junior media planner. 
Um, But by that time I had met Jason and he kind of showed me that there was this whole entrepreneurial life that I did not know existed. What did that look like on like a daily basis for you? What do you mean? You would get up dressed for a normal job. Oh, yes. And what would I I I do? I would get ready to go to my agency job and Jason would be like, uh, for his I wear shirt business, he'd be like, I need to dress up as a lion today. Could you do my face makeup? <laughs> Legitimately things I needed help so with. So just so you know what our life was like. So I would like do his face makeup for mm-hmm. this weird video he was going to make on the internet. And I would go to my boring corporate job and be like, I want to be at home with my, well, boyfriend then, but with my husband playing dress up and yeah. making weird videos. Yeah. Um, no. So I, I started out in advertising and then very quickly realized I was not built for the nine to five world and uh, convinced Jason to hire me when he was expanding his team for I Wear Your Shirt. Like for real, I had a pitch and everything. And so went to work for him, which was my first journey into kind of the entrepreneurial world, um, even though he was very much running the ship, but I was learning all these different things of like how to wear different hats and how to teach yourself things. And um, and then when he closed that business a couple of years later, I was like, I'm not going back to a regular job. I can't do it. So something in me just said, let me go all in and try to do my own thing. I had taught myself how to be a designer, a self-taught designer. And so I started as a freelance designer doing uh, brand brand design for creative entrepreneurs and built that business, um, transitioned into digital products, built that business to like $100,000 within two years. But how much years. did you make in the first eight months? In the first six months, I made barely $6,000, just yeah. so everyone knows. But then in the last quarter, we always have this joke with our financial advisors because we go back to it many years later, like killed it in the fourth killed quarter. It in the fourth killed quarter. it in the fourth um, quarter. But anyway, <laughs> that really, really built my confidence in terms of being able to finally work for myself and hit my stride. And then... Um, So I had a business made vibrant for many years, three years. And then finally, Jason came to me and said, I think we should, as he mentioned, sell our future. And he didn't really mention what that was, but that looked like I had created many, many products at that point, online courses, um, guides, different digital products. He had done the same. We put them together and allowed people to buy those things as well as anything that we would create in the future ever. And that was our dipping the toe into combining our businesses. And we really liked what that felt like. And so a year ago, we decided to go all in and basically combine both of our businesses to create Wandering Inflate. So that's where we are today. Awesome. And I mean, it like, it seems like at least from my perspective that like, you guys have both kind of done like a lot of different things, but like with Wandering Aimfully, it like, it feels different, at least to me, like having followed um, your work for a long time, Jason, and yours for a little while as well, Caroline, it feels different. And so I'm curious, like, why Wandering Aimfully? And like, if that kind of impression that I have, if you're kind of mirroring that. I'm curious, I will counter your question with another quick question. <laughs> I'm curious if you can um, articulate or pinpoint what feels different just because this is interesting for us as well. Like, is it the type of thing that we're creating? Is it the feeling behind it? Is it that it's together? Like, I'm curious. Um, I think part of it is together. I think part of it is that like, um, with a lot of Jason's stuff, it like seems like kind of like a one-off, like self-contained idea um, versus like this, like seems like something that is like a little more permanent and a little more ongoing. And like, you're still doing all of that experimentation, but it's like in this kind of single umbrella. Yeah. And, and truthfully, when we had a couple of conversations about two years ago now, 
I remember we were going for walks every day with our dog and, and I just kept saying like, I want a bigger mission. And Caroline kind of had that with her made, Vib- I mean, didn't kind of, she had that with her made vibrant business, but I didn't have that because my business was called Jason Does Stuff. And as you pointed out, a lot of it was very one-off and it worked, it was fine, but I didn't feel like there was something that brought people in and felt a connection to them. It just felt like, hey, let me make you this thing. It solves this problem. And then like, it was very transactional almost. Uh, so Wandering Aimfully really was an ethos for me from the beginning of let us try and bring what we do together. And that was the phrase that we kept saying was we're better together. And then have something bigger and something that people could actually get behind and feel like, oh, this is me as well. You know, I I do wander aimfully as a person. I like experimenting. I like trying things. But also, hey, I want a business that serves a lifestyle that I want and that I'm happy about. So how can we have that be a thing that we contribute to constantly? And it's like the the rising tide lifts all boats. Everything we can do for wandering aimfully hopefully lifts everything that we're doing up because it's one singular focus. Yeah, and I would also add, I think the shift for us came from focusing on the experiments, which you've done so many of, and shifting the focus to focus on experimenting. So like, not just the what we were doing, but honestly waking up to the fact that experimentation and trying things and evolving based on who we are as people at that different season of life is so core to what both of us do. And so that's maybe a takeaway that I would even share with people is like to focus less on the what of like what the the product is and more of like, what is that through line? What is the underlying um, thread that weaves everything together? And for us, it wasn't the experiment itself. It was the mindset of experimentation. And so that's something that we're trying to even highlight more going forward and wandering aimfully because and we have it on our website right now, but I truly believe that experimentation is the bridge from fear to courage. Like I think people who are afraid to put things out there, if they can find a way to reframe it in a way of, oh, it's just an experiment. Like either I I win and it, it turns out the way I thought, or I learn and I get to you know pour that into my next project. And so I think courage is this thing that a lot of creators feel like, where do I get that from? And we've heard the feedback is like, the more that you can start to reframe everything as an experiment, you will start to build that courage. Well, and I mean, I would totally mirror that too. Like definitely kind of some of my projects that have been the most successful had the least expectations. And it like starts out as like, oh, this is like just a random domain that I'm going to buy because it's $10. And then I'll like turn it into something Um, versus like, I think you can kind of like build that up in your head, but like going through those experiment cycles, like even a little faster can be helpful for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that for us, we just love seeing people take action and do things. But also, as we've now been working together longer, what Wandering Namefully has become is helping people who run their own businesses navigate the murky waters of this. You know, it's like we talked about, I think, right before we were recording, like, it can be difficult and it's not always easy and you don't always have a win on everything that you do. So how do you get through those things? And we're trying to avoid helping the people who are just getting started because we've tried to do that for a while and it's really it's really just difficult. Other people do that way better than we do it. We found that we really help people who have a business right now. They're trying to what we call up level. So that doesn't mean you have to like go to making six figures every month. It just means you're trying to get from some point that you've defined to another point in the future that you're trying to hit. And so we're trying to help people do that through workshops, through the course platform that I have, through all these different teachings and things we've learned. So it's kind of like taking all of our experience and going here, have all of this, But then also here's a community where you can hang out and feel like you belong and feel like you're around people who are trying to do the same thing you were trying to do. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like so many online educators right now, 
they want to show you the shiny version. They want to, and I know why they do it. It's because they're selling aspiration. And so they're saying like, look, I have this crazy launch and I have this team and it's all working so smoothly. And I think where we have the ability to stand out, and you, I think you mentioned it even before we were recording, but like, we are not afraid to be honest. We are not afraid to tell you when something didn't work. We are not afraid to tell you when I was out for six months because I had crippling anxiety. Like we will share all of that because- that is what's real. And the measure that we always come back to um, in our community community is like with everything that we're sharing and everything we're teaching, I never want someone to go through our like educational resources and feel bad about themselves. I want them to feel like, not like, why can't I figure this out? Or why haven't I gotten the emails working perfectly? Or, you know, what does everybody know that I don't know? I want them to feel empowered and not like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And so I think that's why, we just like saw that that was a need kind of in the market is just to be super real and super transparent. And that's what we try to bring to everything we do. Well, and so then I know too that you guys have kind of both been through your own share of challenges um, in kind of building your businesses. Um, and you each have kind of a different version of like what that burnout looked for you. Do you want to talk a little about about that? Sure. Yeah, sure. So uh, for me, the biggest point of burnout, and I think that we can both admit to, we've hit burnout in different phases at different times. And I am not even sure we're going to avoid burnout in the future because as you're trying to do new things and as you're trying to pour your heart and soul into the work that you do, I think it's an inevitable thing. And, and it's what I like to refer to as the hot stove moment. So at all aspects of life and business, you're going to keep hitting that hot stove like, oh, dang it, I went too far. Oh, we tried to do this 30-day challenge thing. Oh, it was too much. Why did we put that on our plates again? Or that was a new thing we wanted to try. Oh, it's too hot. We have to pull back. But my main burnout was at the end of I Wear Your Shirts. So for five years, uh, I filmed a video every single day and put it on YouTube. I recorded a live video show. I showed up on Twitter and Facebook. I answered hundreds of emails. I grew this community. I also was doing sales and marketing and everything. And just as I list this out, you may be getting sweaty. People listening to this might be getting sweaty. <laughs> It's, it was too much for one person to do, but I felt invincible like many entrepreneurs do, like many people who own their businesses do. You feel like you can do everything and you should do everything. And I definitely fell into the hustle mindset. I definitely fell into the traps, trappings of wanting more and trying to chase these big financial goals and really just trying to build like a Silicon Valley company because I thought that's what I should be doing because that's what looked cool as opposed to just really reflecting on like, what do I want? Like, what, what do I want to do every day? Do I want to manage seven people and then have to worry about their salaries every month? Hell no, I don't. But I never asked myself that question. And so I ended that business $120,000 in debt. Some of that was Caroline's student loan debt. <laughs> oh, come uh, on. But a very small piece of it was that. <laughs> Most of it was my business debt. And I just was burnt out. I couldn't look at a video camera. I I wouldn't, when I would pick up a DSLR camera, I would just get angry. I would look at it and just feel like, this thing was just an awful piece of my life for the past couple of years. And only now, about six years later, am I actually enjoying filming videos again. But I even find myself not wanting to go the extra mile in videos. Like I don't want to film all the B-roll and all the other things because I know I'm going to fall back into some, some behaviors and some things where I was led to, to having all that burnout. So yeah, for me, burnout was really just about the creation. It was also about the managing of things. It was a, a lot of, like I said, hot stove moments that I ran into. And it's really proven to be helpful in the long term. But in the short term, man, it sucks. And it feels like you're never going to get out of it, but you do. Uh, and it's really helpful to have a partner who supports you. Uh, and it's also just helpful to have a community around you that can be okay with the fact that things aren't always going to go perfectly and accept you for some of your blemishes and your failures. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and like it sounds like too, kind of in your case, that maybe it wasn't even necessarily like the pure amount of work. Um, but at some point that project kind of like turned into something else where it like became less enjoyable and like that had as much to contribute as the actual like things that you had to do. Yeah. And I had this draft of an article that I'm hoping to finish up here in the next couple of weeks, but it's like, what work are you doing and what result are you getting from that work? And I think to like, to the point you just made, if I would have really looked at, okay, I'm making a YouTube video every single day. Do I need to make a YouTube video every day? Do I need to host a live video show every day? Do I need to post everything every day? I don't think all of these things are moving the needle for me personally and for my business. So let me pull some of these things away. And I think that that's really important on like a six month or one year or whatever time frame works for you. Because we do this now too. We'll sit down and we'll just write out all of the things that we're doing. And we'll look at them and go, how did we get to this place? Like we have so much stuff that we're doing. Why are we doing all this? And it's why right now, as of recording this, we're not putting up regular YouTube videos. We haven't recorded a podcast episode, I think, in over two months. And we're just completely, we've slowed down on email content creation because we have other things we're trying to focus on to get the core of the business right. Then we'll come back to those things when we have more time, more of a plan. But we're also going to be really picky and choosy about what we do. Yeah, and not to mention being very honest, brutally honest with ourselves about how much output we can actually maintain on a sustainable basis. So one thing I was going to point out, going back to your story, I think self-awareness is a really important piece of like avoiding burnout. Of what I don't have. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you have me, babe. Is because, for example, you are a workhorse. Like discipline is not something that you struggle with. And so his creative output is probably a lot bigger than, you know, a regular person like me (laughs) who like has resistance and stuff. He does not struggle with that. What he does struggle with is going, oh, if I know that I can work this amount, then I will. I will max out that capacity. But just Mm -hmm. because you can do something does not mean that you should do something. And so what happened with him was, It was an amount of work that he could do every day, but you do that every day for three years straight. I'm talking no weekends. I'm talking leaving 4th of of July barbecues to go film a live video show. And people are like, what are you doing? Why are people there on 4th of July? (laughs) Everyone should not be on their computer on 4th of July. And so it just, it was, it was not sustainable for the long haul. And he needed to build in that extra space, even though it didn't feel like you needed it, that, that would have, you know, you would have benefited tremendously from that. Um, So in my case, I am not a crazy workhorse like him, but uh, I sometimes come from this place of um, perfectionism and wanting things to be, like I underestimate how much work it takes to fulfill the vision that I have in my head. And so um, when we were building Wandering Aimfully, what started out, first of all, we were nuts. We were like, we're going to do this in five weeks. We're going to build this whole website and it's going to have a whole dashboard that's basically a software product. And and by the way, we're going to document the whole process in daily blog posts on a website. We did that. Hot stove. Hot stove, Brian. Hot stove. That was the hottest (laughs) stove. Um, So five weeks turned into five months building this business. And we are the business. Like, we don't have a team. I am the designer. Like, I'm the creative production person. We're, we're having strategy meetings every day. We're documenting the whole thing. So what happened was we then launched the business in late August. And pretty much immediately after we launching. Swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck. We. Different end of the story. Retired. I'm just going <laughs> to. Um, I came down with shingles. And if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's basically the chicken pox virus that happened flares up when you're an adult under stress and when your immune system is low. 
I struggled with that for three months, basically the worst pain I've had in my life. And then on the tail end of that, um, because once I got quote unquote better, I decided to just go full force into building a new product inside of our business. And I had crippling anxiety for the past six months, for the first six months of this year, um, the worst I've ever had in my life. And so talk about a hot stove. And for me, what it really came down to is that I have this habit of putting these really great routines into place for my mental health and for balance and for just living the lifestyle that I, at at a pace that I can sustain. And then when I feel quote unquote good, I let all of it go. And I go, well, I feel good. And so what happens is then I push it, I push it, I push it until, like Jason said, I have the hot stove moment again. And I think my body just finally had to give me a consequence that was so great that I wouldn't do that again in the future. And I've learned Mm -hmm. that lesson now. And so, you know, thankfully, I mean, there were some other underlying physical things going on with my nutrition and some things that were kind of off balance that kind of set the foundation for that to happen. But it's no, it's no surprise that it came on the tail end of our crazy building of our business. And so what I've learned is that I have to do those routines every morning, every evening. I have to do those things um, if I don't want to burn out. And so, Jason, do you kind of find that same value in routines? Um, it's interesting. I think for me, I'm less in need of routines and more in need of structure, if that makes sense. So I, unlike Caroline, I don't have to get up and do the same thing every day. Like we could script out Caroline's day every morning and it would be the exact same every morning and she would be completely happy with it and it would be comfortable. For me, I would actually drive me insane. Like I need some differentiation and I need to let my body just tell me what I want to do. Because some mornings I wake up at like 6.30 and I want to get right into work. Like I just have all this creative energy. I want to get into it. But Caroline has to slowly ease into work every single day. There's almost never a day when she wakes up fired up and ready to go. And even if I feel like I want to do that, I have to pull back because of the all the reasons I just described. Yeah. So for me, for, for now, it's really like Google Calendar is my boss, essentially. I put everything on there that I'm supposed to do. I let that structure dictate how my day goes. And then I also don't just add more stuff at the end of the day. Or if I have big time gaps in the middle of the day when I'm not doing work, I don't force work into it anymore. And I actually, we've both this, this experienced this. Maybe you have too. Maybe your listeners have. There's a little bit of guilt when it comes to working for yourself and not working. And so there'll be like a Monday when I have nothing on the calendar. And that's purposeful because maybe the previous week, like this week, I did 17 radio interviews. We had this chat. We're redoing our wandering aimfully positioning, all these things. Well, guess what? Next week, I just want to cool it. I just want to relax. And in that moment, I might feel guilty, but there's always more work to be done. So that structure for me, the daily structure of having the calendar kind of dictate what I do and planning ahead a little bit. That for me is how I avoid falling into like some of these traps and, and creative burnouts again. Um, and so then kind of coming out of that burnout and sort of um, how Caroline, you had mentioned that like then the anxiety came almost after the fact. Um, what have been besides the routines, what have been kind of the biggest things to help you to like come out of that? Well, definitely the biggest thing, like I mentioned, was getting the foundation right. So we... I had this instinct that something physically was off. And so we kept seeing doctor after doctor, um, not just in the kind of traditional medical system, but like go do neurofeedback on- Voodoo doctors. <laughs> like we just saw them all. It felt Dude, like we did. I was so close to going to a voodoo doctor. Yeah. Like you just, when you're at that place, you exhaust all your options. But anyway, 
through that process of just saying like really following my gut, I finally found a doctor who specialized in nutritional um, supplements for mental health conditions. And we tested my blood and found out I have these couple of genetic mutations Mm. that (laughs) Jason likes to remind me, the doctor kept using the term genetic weakness. She's sorry. like, it's fine. Like, I'm you, sorry. The, she's the, like, you the just doctor... have these like, couple of genetic weaknesses. And Jason like would not live it down for two weeks. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. You just have this like a genetic weakness. And I'm like, oh I my just, God. I believe a doctor, you know? Anyway, <laughs> so he gives me, loves to give me a hard time about it. But I have these two genetic conditions that means that the diet that I was actually eating, which was a very, like for all intents and purposes, healthful diet. It was very diverse nutrients, plant-based diet was actually the worst thing for my body and my blood and my, the way that I was made. And so, um, basically I was just running my body into the ground and then putting stress on top of it. So I got my nutrition right. And within like a month of starting those supplements, I felt my body come back, which was great. Now that's not to say that my anxiety is completely attributed to that. It was a lot of therapy, um, and understanding where those really deep underlying triggers come from. And then putting the practices in place. Um, A lot of it is just a mental practice, a mindfulness practice of letting go all the time. And if your listeners are out there and you struggle with anxiety, here's one of the simplest things. I didn't realize that when I'm working, I hold my breath and I tense my body. And it's just a learned behavior over time. And it creates this physical response in my body that says, there's danger, this is bad. And so I'm on this constant feedback loop of, oh, I'm in fight or flight all the time. And so I have a very, very conscious mindfulness practice of releasing my shoulders, stretching my chest, breathing really deeply. And just, and I, and I will just in my head say, let go, let go, let go. And I will keep like releasing the muscles in my body until I feel relaxed. And I have to do that. I'm not kidding you 500 times a day. And I just have to practice and, and um, you'd be amazed at how that one simple change actually helps me a ton. Awesome. And then I guess kind of for you, Jason, anything that you sort of saw that helped you get out of that? Yeah, I, yeah I think taking breaks is actually really important. Uh, it's just one of those things that it seems obvious to recharge your batteries, but it can also feel like recharging your batteries is really inconvenient. <laughs> and I know that we all deal with the same problems of you have to make money, you have to support your customers, you have to show up for people, you have to continue to do marketing and promotion, all these things. But all of it will continue if you take one week off. And it's not all going to come crumbling down. And and actually, I think social media detoxes have been some of the best things for me in life because I get really into just trying to make people happy. And so I will overdo it on responding to every message, everything, all this, these different interactions. And those micro interactions all add up. And I think it takes a mental toll that we don't see and we can't really quantify yet. And even if you're not actually replying, you're just like reading through all these, you're consuming a lot of micro interactions. And so taking 30-day breaks, I do it twice a year. It's really a good reset for me. And a lot of times, actually some of the best work that I do comes during those times because I have a lot more mental clarity So as much as I would say taking a break is take a break from everything, it can actually just be taking a break from the thing that we all sit on all day long and scroll through all day long. And that's really helpful just to relieve some of that kind of burnout, recharge the batteries. And then I do actually think like we're going on vacation next week for a couple of days and it's poorly timed as it usually is, but it'll be really helpful for us to just commit to it, not look at anything, have four days of just absolutely nothing, margaritas, being in a pool, 
reading books, being bored. I get super bored on vacation, but forcing ourselves to do that to recharge our batteries. Yeah. And just one thing too, when you were talking about how recharging can sometimes feel inconvenient, I posted this thing on Instagram like a couple of weeks ago that was about breaking, you'll break the cycle of burnout when you realize that slowing down is actually getting ahead. So like, for example, take it from the girl who, because she didn't slow down, had to literally take six months off and could not work. Like just had to get my mind right. It wasn't taking six months off. Yeah, no, it was, it was, I can't look at my computer exactly, or like, I feel like I'm going to die really. And that's not being dramatic. And so that sucked. And it honestly took such a toll on our business. And we are just now getting back to the place. I mean, honestly, complete sidebar. This is why we are so passionate about helping people create online businesses is that thankfully we had created a business that actually with even one player down and Jason running the whole thing. I mean, it's a testament to his work ethic, but like we were able to like still live a very beautiful, wonderful life as I was getting better and our whole business didn't crumble, which is like, that is that is why we do what we do. But take it from me who had to learn that lesson the hard way. If I would have slowed down before that, I, we would be much farther in our business right now. But like, if you, if you go, 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 and then you take the big hit, you're actually gonna take, you know, five steps backward. So- it's, it's forcing yourself to have that discipline actually to slow down or that discipline to take a break or, and just remind yourself that you're not doing nothing. You're filling the tank back up and that is going to, to get you farther faster. Now, before we jump into the next question, I want to pause for a minute and talk a bit about Podia. Podia is a platform for creating and hosting online courses, digital downloads, and memberships. More than that, though, Podia is a company that believes in and supports creators. They don't just build course software, they really enable people like us to do the work we love. I'm a longtime Podia user, along with a few of the guests on the show. My Podia course has directly led to thousands of email subscribers and five figures in revenue. As a designer, I definitely have a tendency of tweaking and perfecting everything, but most of the time that's not what actually makes a difference. Podia makes it easy to focus on creating content that's useful and valuable rather than getting distracted by design edits or a long technical setup process. It doesn't matter if you're an expert developer or creating your first ever digital product. Podia makes it fast and easy to create something that not only looks good, but converts well. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably working on creating something. Whether that's an app, a course, or an entirely new business, creating something out of nothing is hard, but Podia makes creation a little bit easier. They're offering 15% off for life to listeners of the Latitude podcast. To get your discount or to just learn a bit more, go to podia.com slash latitude, or there's a link in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, and I mean, I'm like definitely identifying with a lot of this. Um, And I think it's super interesting how like as far as specific tactics that you both used, uh, they're like pretty different. Um, but it's, I think underlying kind of approaches of like mental health and physical health and all of these things that are more kind of just like general personal development and like personal sustainability, I guess, for lack of a better word, than like anything business related. Um, and Jason, what you were saying about like, always feeling like there's more to do, like anyone that's like building something from the ground up, from scratch, like 
it'll never be done. Like you're never going to get through your to-do list. Um, and so it does, it has to be something that you like definitely prioritize kind of that downtime. You know, it's a, it's a treadmill. There's so many treadmills, I think, in working for yourself. You have the hedonic treadmill of just always continuing to try and want more that you have to fight that constantly because once you get to X goal in revenue or X amount of email subscribers or whatever, that goal doesn't mean anything anymore. And now you want the next thing. So you have to fight that. But you also have to fight the daily grind of just, oh, I got to get up and I got to work and I got to show up and I got to do all these things. And it's why. And we like to say the phrase, what is it all for? Like, why are you doing all of this work? What is it trying to get you if every day you're just continuing to do the exact same thing that you don't enjoy doing? Now, if you're on a treadmill of things you enjoy doing, then you're probably a crazy person because who likes being on a treadmill all the time? I know I hate being on a treadmill all the time, but it's okay to hop on that treadmill and then get off and then get back on. And so I think there's a lot of prioritization that comes with knowing, hey, this is a time when I need to work maybe a little bit harder, but I'm not going to go to the nth degree. I'm going to stop working at 5 or 6 p.m. I'm not going to burn the midnight oil if I don't have to. And then also I'm going to take weekends off or I'm going to make sure I prioritize exercise. I'm going to make sure I eat more than one meal a day. I'm not going to live off of Diet Coke. Like these things, we we laugh about them, but they truly are the things that matter in running a successful business is making sure you're taking care of yourself and your body and your mental health. Because without that stuff, you're not going to be able to run your business as we saw with Caroline this year. 100%. Also stop drinking so much Diet Coke. <laughs> God, we used to drink tons of Diet Coke years and years ago. And we look back at it now and we're like, what How? are we How? doing? How are we live? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It's crazy. Like, but I mean, and I think that like leads directly into um, your newest book, um, Own Your Weird. And it is, it's like finding those things that work for you. So maybe you can kind of like comment a little on that. Yeah, I think we both uh, in very interesting ways have figured out the things that are unique about us are the things that separate us from everybody else. And in business, I think those are some of the most important things that you can figure out about yourself because there's so much competition. There is so many people doing so many things and rarely are any of us inventing new ways to do things. And this is coming from a person who tried to get paid to wear t-shirts for a living, sold my last name, fully sponsored book, sold my future. All of those things are unique to a degree, but some of them have been done in other ways before. The unique part of it is that there's like a twist or a different angle on them, or I'm putting myself into it and I'm a unique person and I'm highlighting what's unique about me. And that to me is the whole own your weird ethos. Weird is a word that's completely subjective. So you can exchange that with unique. You can exchange that with difference. You can exchange that with any of other words that make more sense to you. Uh, the publisher just liked the word weird, and so we put it on a book, and it's fine. <laughs> but I do think that you have to highlight those things to stand out in business these days. And also, you should go where established businesses are. So uh, Caroline has a branding course. How many branding courses exist? But she's made over $100,000 with a branding course because it's her own flavor of creating a branding course. And so that's the thing we come back to all the time when it comes to owning our weird is, what is the unique spin we can take on this? What is the unique thing? And uh, I definitely think it would be fun to talk about our new sales page because not many people, I think, care about their sales pages as much as we do with the things that we make. But that is a very unique thing we're doing. So I want to come back to that, but I also want to hear Caroline talk about her weird. <laughs> I will talk about my weird. Um, I think for me, my interpretation of like Jason's whole own your weird ethos is I have this thing in my head that I call black sheep qualities. And so maybe that will be helpful to someone out there. But I think about what is the one quality that you most fear being rejected for? 
which is going to sound super scary and whatever, but it's just a thought exercise. Like what is the one thing that makes you feel the most different or on the outside or like you don't quite fit in? And then how can you use that as a positive in your business? So for me, I grew up in a household with three older brothers. I was a super sensitive, creative, like floaty kid and just things like really touched my heart in a very deep way. I'm an Enneagram four, if anyone listening is into the Enneagram. And I had all these rough and tumble older brothers and I got made fun of a lot for being sensitive, for being a crybaby, for being all these things as a young kid. And I was the only like creative in my household. And so I grew up with this complex and I kind of shoved it down and I became a super overachiever so that I could be accepted. Um, And people would say, oh, she's really good at school. And that felt like a much safer way to fit in and, you know, be social and like be popular and do all those things. It wasn't until early adulthood that I started to uncover those layers and really lean into my my art and I would share it online. And um, I would share these long Instagram captions before that was a thing of like the thoughts I was having and the feelings I was having. And pretty soon I developed this community of what I called soulful creatives, people who were like me and had all these feelings that they wanted to share. And now in Wandering Aimfully, it's this awesome differentiator because we have this balance, right? Of this like super like action-oriented, honest, blunt guy over here. And then I'm like the, let's talk about our feelings a little bit and let's have some self-awareness. And it creates this balance that I don't see any other kind of, you know, online business coaches out there bringing to the table. And that's how we're owning our weird, um, within Wandering Aimfully. Well, and I think like, uh, by my future and by our future is like the perfect example of that. Like no one was like buying a specific product. They were like, buying your worldview and like, um, your internet boyfriend, Paul Jarvis is another great example. Um, I like, I bought a vegan cookbook from him. Um, and I have like since gone on to buy like freelance courses and like subscribe to his email. Like it was like, it was never about the vegan cookbook. It was about like kind of everything else that like goes behind it. Yeah. And we, we've found even from wandering aimfully existing for a year, the reason why people buy, we send a survey to people after they buy. The number one reason people buy is to support us. And that's such a privileged place to be. Like, it's such an amazing thing to do. But you only get that when you deliver value to people for a long time. And when you also deliver a unique worldview, like exactly. you said. When you show up and you're yeah. not afraid to share those things that you feel like are going to turn people off. Like, you have to be willing to risk turning people off in order to attract the right kind of people. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm just so tired of people who share all these, like, wonderful success stories. And I actually call a lot of these people out on Twitter. Like, they'll be like, oh, we 10 x our revenue this month and blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but what went wrong? Like, share the thing that, like, an employee quit and you had to go and do all of their work. Like, share that with us. Because all you're doing is giving us a highlight reel. And that's creating this stigma for people that think their business has to be a highlight reel. When your business isn't a highlight reel, that's just what you're putting out there. And I think for us, we just love owning that, that things don't always go right. And and things are going to go wrong. But if you're actually building a business, you need to make sure that that is an exchange of some sort of value then you can do all the weird things on top of it and you can take breaks and all that stuff makes sense because the business itself actually solves a problem. Also, by the way, it's incredibly selfish because the more authentic you are, the less afraid you are of somebody calling you out or like that the whole thing is going to come crumbling down. Like it's it's a protective mechanism for me to just be honest so that no one's like, oh, wow, you're so perfect. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I told you. I told you 12 times last week how I wasn't perfect, you know? And it creates this, this breath of fresh air where when, you know, I am struggling with anxiety, I can tell people, hey, 
this is why I haven't been around the Wandering Influence Slack channel. And everybody in our community is 100% behind me because they're not there under some assumption that I'm a bionic woman. They're like, oh, no, 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 we know you. Like, yeah. we know you're super sensitive and we know you sometimes push too hard. So just come back when you're ready. And so authenticity is like, you will attract the right kind of people that will support you in whatever evolution your business takes on if you're honest with them from the start. It, like, as you had kind of mentioned, it does come down at the end of the day to like creating value. Um, is there kind of a way that you can like know beforehand that like something is valuable or that's kind of where the experimentation that we talked about earlier comes into play? When it comes to business, I think you look for places where people are already spending money and attention. And so, you know, reinventing an entire wheel doesn't make sense anymore. And so what you want to do is find most of the, the successful businesses that we all look up to didn't invent anything. They took an existing problem and they just made it better or they put their own unique spin on it. So, you know, people preach the gospel of Basecamp and I love Basecamp as much as anybody else, but all it is is just a, like a team management and productivity tool. It's, it's not anything reinvented. It's a problem that existed that they just really did a lot better than anybody else. And so I think for us, and this is actually a big shift of what we're doing now with Wandering Aimfully is what was Wandering Aimfully for the past year? Like it's really hard for us to define that. I, I guess membership community was the best way to do it, but we weren't even showing up as a membership community would. So what we've kind of reevaluated is we're actually coaches. Like as much as I get like skin crawling feelings of business coaches online, it's because those people typically don't actually have the experience that we have. And we've been doing this. This is what I've been doing for the past year on an almost daily basis with people. So why don't we own that? People are willing to pay for coaching. Let's own that and let's do it our way. Let's add our weird to it. And it's like I mentioned on this new sales page that we're about to put out. Like we have emojis all over this sales page. Who puts emojis on sales page? Not many people because they're afraid, right? It's like, oh, this has to convert. Or this won't be viewed as professional yeah. or like people won't take it seriously. And we just want to like, own doing something where people are willing to spend money find a unique way to do it, put our own kind of personality and, and thoughtfulness into it, and then attract those people that like that and push everybody else away. And if you don't like it, that's totally fine. We're not for you. We're not going to be for you. Well, and also understand like, what is the emotional thing you're selling? Not what is the physical thing or the, the tangible thing? What is the emotional thing that you're selling? And so for us as business coaches, like, we're selling joy. Like we're selling motivation. We are selling people who are in silos all day long working by themselves and want to feel energized with their business. They're on that treadmill, right? Like we were talking about, they're doing the same things day in and day out. They want to go to a place where not only they feel seen and like connected to other people, but they feel like it's fun. It's fun to be in online business. And so of course, like us owning our difference and putting emojis all over a sales page, that is congruent with the emotional thing that we're trying to sell. Um, so that's like a good gut check, but it's just a good reminder. It's like, yep. do it differently. Yep. Yeah, well, and I mean, I don't think this is something we necessarily needed to need to dive too deeply into, but Wandering Aimfully is like one of the most expensive membership sites that I've seen. But like, it's also probably like one of the cheapest like coaching services. Um, Isn't that interesting? So even just kind of like changing that like marketing shift changes like the whole business almost. Yeah, and this is a classic case of it's hard to see the label from inside the jar. Like these are all things that we know. And this is why I also tell people like you have to create the thing so that you can then evolve the thing. So we couldn't have seen all of these like blind spots in our business if we, if we had tried to like strategize all of this without actual real-time feedback, it would have taken us, instead of five months, it would have taken us five years to build Wandering Aimfully because we would have painstakingly overanalyzed every decision. Instead, 
we just moved forward. We went with our gut. We launched the thing. And now, you know, a year looking back, we can see all of these places where, and it's amazing. We talk about this all the time. We're like, we see so many things that we could be doing better with Wandering Aimfully. And yet it still makes us a- $10,000 a month. It still makes us $10,000 a month. And so we're doing something right, you know? And so it's like, it's very easy to get caught up in all the ways that you could make something better, but don't forget like the things that you are doing right. And I think that's really powerful. So yeah, great point that you brought up. And that's exactly part of our repositioning is kind of shifting the mental category that we're put in because we believe in the value that we bring for $100 a month. And we definitely believe in the value that we're going to bring in the future with the plans that we have um, for the community alone. But it's the way that we present that offer to people um, that gets them to, you know, see that value. And so do you think then being able to like recognize those things, is that like um, coming from feedback from members or is that coming from just like things that you've been thinking about or other people that you've been talking to or how did you kind of approach that? Yeah, I think it's a good mix of all those things. Definitely. And I think the one thing that I realized was when you're so close, again, it's like the label with inside the jar, but when you're so close, it's like you can't see the trees from the forest. What's that? I would just love to hear you butcher it some more. <laughs> you can't see the tops of the trees from the bottom of the forest, okay? Uh, but it's one of those things where when you're so close to it, you don't even realize, oh, a year has gone by and this business has actually made us money and has done well. But you know what? Our positioning is a little bit off and it's not feeling congruent with us. It's also not feeling congruent with a lot of people who are coming to our site and are not signing up. So what are we missing? What's going on? And, and I think for us, what we really looked into was, Number one, what are we doing? What is Wandering Aimfully as a business? It really is coaching. At the core of it, that's what it is for people. All of the stuff that we have, all of the things, having Tea Tree as a software product that you get included, that's all well and good, but it's not why people are staying around. And so we had to look at that and go, oh, okay, that's what we're seeing from it. But then also to go, what do we want to be selling? What do we want to be doing? And selling a membership community, just, I don't know, it just didn't feel congruent to us. But actually selling coaching and helping people and taking all of our experience. And the metaphor really changed for me. Uh, the metaphor that changed this for me was thinking about it from a sports angle, because I like sports and I'm a guy and you're supposed because to. Because man stuff. Because men. Uh, <laughs> was that like, you can be a professional athlete for only so long. And once you're done doing that, the way you stay involved in the support, the sport is you become a coach and you pass on all of the knowledge that you have. But it's okay that you only have a finite amount of time to play. And that's really how I felt. These past 10 years... I've been the quote unquote professional athlete of entrepreneurship, but that doesn't mean I'm at any level. It just means like, that's what I've been doing. I'm ready to move on. I don't want to sit and make constantly. I now want to help people make their thing. And I feel really good about that. That is actually what lights me up. We just recently sold a Squarespace template. And honestly, every sale that came through, I was like, it's fine. Where it used to be like every sale was amazing. Now, when I help other people sell things, I'm so pumped. Like we had a member who got like her first five sales. And I was so excited for her because that's life-changing for her. The hundred sales that we got of our thing is not life-changing for us. And truthfully, it's just more work for us as opposed to that other person. I feel like we've changed their life. Babe, you never said that out loud to me. Oh, well, I keep a journal with a lot of secrets. Yeah, he's doing it again. (laughs) I love that though. No, I, I, cause you're absolutely right. You just, you reminded me of something, which is you're absolutely right. 
it's the motivation can change, you know? And now the motivation is we get so much more excited about seeing other people. For me, it's like that mindset shift that happens when you start to realize, oh, I can do X and I can create more space in my life or I can do X and I can reach my, I can get out of debt. I can build this product and I can create more time for my family. Like those major like shifts are what I get so fired up about for other people because it, I know it changed our lives and we we live so much better today and we're able to be so much better versions of ourselves because of the lifestyle we've created. And I want to help other people do that. Awesome. Well, and I mean, I think it like goes back to how kind of like connecting to your own values and beliefs and things like that being like a business advantage is like, doing something like that for people is like so much more scalable than like making another sale on whatever your like new product is. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely. You can kind of like have more impact on more people in that way, I think. Yeah. And I do just want to add one final thing, which is like, we wouldn't have known that had we not experimented with it and tried it. Right. So we're constantly kind of, we don't know how we feel about a thing until we do the thing. And so that doesn't hold us back or how is this going to do, or how is it going to feel? We just go for it. And then we kind of evaluate afterwards and we evolve with using the learning that we found. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like for you, Caroline, it seemed like the creation process of those Squarespace templates was like so beneficial in so many different ways that had nothing to do with like the actual sales. That is a perfect point. I really needed something to get me excited about work again in this weird transition phase out of my anxiety hole back into wandering aimfully. I needed something to get excited about. And for me, design and creating things is the thing that that I love to do the most. It's the skill that I love to apply the most. And so you're 100% right. Even if we had not made a single sale, the process of creating that again is what lit me up, you know, to be working for Wandering Aimfully again. And that is worth, that's priceless, right? So. Obviously you guys spend a lot of time together. You kind of like live and work together. Um, And so I'm curious um, and I'll leave it kind of open-ended, but I'm curious, like, how do you view like both your work and your like personal relationships? I feel like the smile on your face is is like the face <laughs> of someone who's like dropping a bomb into like a, you know, just like seeing like what happens. Like how's everybody going to react to this little conversation bomb? Because going back to like all of these other stories, like it's hard. And like, I think that adds like a, a whole different layer of challenge to it. Oh, it sure um, does. <laughs> does. <laughs> no. Uh, you can take this one because no. you just talked about it before I know. and I think I'm, you had a good point. I'm laughing because it is for sure so hard to spend, you know, 97% of your time with a person and be married to them and work together. And we definitely run into sticky conversations that we have to have all the time. However, it's the best thing. And it honestly, I was thinking about this. I was like, we do not separate our kind of life and work. We, we always say it's a work-life blend because there is no definite separation for us. And I think it's because the work that we do together, I feel like, is the best part of our marriage. It's the things where we Except get, for humor. Well, yeah, but that's work. Like we, we Yeah, spend, but I mean- We, we get to laugh all the time yeah. because we work together and we're like- I mean, I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking about (laughs) lately, I've been working out of my art studio instead of my desk, which is where we're sitting now. And Jason will just come in and he'll be like co-working today because he like misses me from the living room. Like, I swear to you, that's what it is. He's like, I just want to like be in here and work. So yeah, we don't even work in different rooms because we need to be around each other. But it's also the place that we have hard conversations where we learn to communicate the most. 
It's the place where we see each other's strengths the most and we can appreciate them. It's the place where we see the, like, the balance that we both bring to things. Um, I, I, we respect each other so much because we see how hard the other one works. And so I don't know if we had separate careers. I wonder if that sense of respect and that sense of appreciation and gratitude for each other's skill set would be there. I don't know the answer to that. And then truly, it sounds cliche, but like we really are just best friends who laugh all day. And the fact that we get to work on the same thing together and have this like common purpose and laugh all day long is the best. But I want to make sure everyone knows it's so hard. Yeah, I mean, we run into on a weekly basis difficult conversations about things because we do butt heads and we both are passionate about what we're doing and we both have a lot of experience. So we have ideas that we come to the table with and sometimes we'll run into stalemates where it's like, well, I think it should be done this way because I've done it this way before. And then Caroline be like, yeah, but I've also done it this way. And now we're like, oh, how do we solve this? We need one of those jump ball arrows. What's that jump called? Ball arrow? What's oh, possession arrow. Possession Thank arrow. Thank you. Sports. That's what we need. Good job. Thank you. But I, I think Caroline's right. And, and we've talked about this for years of people who are like, oh, I don't know how you guys can like work together and still have your relationship be happy and healthy. And I think it would be different if we were working on a business that we didn't truly love. Mm-hmm. And if we were just like, like even my teachery software that I have, if that was our full-time business, I don't know that things would go as smoothly because we're not super passionate about it. It's a great tool. It solves a problem. We're happy to have it. But it's not like an ethos. It's not a thing that we get behind. It which light us up. Yeah, which is what Wandering Aimfully, really, I wanted it to be when we first started talking about it and what Caroline has helped transform it into. And then I think collaboratively what we've made it. And, and so I do think that some of the best stuff in our life comes from being able to be creative, solve problems, go through these things, have fun together while we're doing it, and know that we are better together and that we're working toward one big goal as opposed to two separate goals that can go in all different directions that we feel like, oh, okay, you're doing that. So like, I'll just do my own thing. And then, you know, there's a lot more disconnect than there is connect when we're working on the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, that said, we do definitely prioritize time together away from our computers. Now, does that mean that we're talking about things that aren't business related? What would we talk about? What, do we, what, would what we talk else about? is there? You would talk about Bachelor and I would go to sleep. I would talk about sports <laughs> and, and would you would go to, go to, go to a different table. <laughs> um, so like, you know, we take a lot of walks during the week. We we just went down to the beach on Wednesday and I was like, we need to do this once a week. Is like go to the beach and just hang out together and uh, we go sit at this park that's near our house. And so we do spend time away from our computers, which helps us kind of connect together. But usually we're talking about business because we're excited about it and we want to like just work on it together. And it's, I mean, that is the the beautiful thing about doing work that you love to do is like, why would you want to talk about anything else? Truly. Well, and it sounds like too, I mean, for personal and for professional relationships, like I'm sure you guys have some very real disagreements. Like Anyone in that situation does, (laughs) but like, but the alignment on like the overall goals and values, like, I don't think that the agreement that the disagreements really kind of go to that level. So it, it's still like, you're still aligned, even if there are kind of challenges on along the way. Totally. And also I will say from the very beginning of our relationship, not even in a professional context, we, without really, I mean, I guess it, there was a little bit of an t- intention to it, but we set ground rules for disagreement. So like, we don't yell ever, never have. We, we always like resolve it in some capacity. There's closure some way. We have learned how to communicate really, really well. Um, we always try to take responsibility for if, if there's a disagreement, usually our conversation ends with some, something form of, I brought this bad energy into this conversation because of X, Y, and Z. 
And so, you know, I think those ground rules really help us so that when we do have disagreements, it never goes to like an atomic place. You know, it's always Mm -hmm. just, it's like, yeah, we're two business people who love the business we're working on. Of course, we're going to have different opinions on what the best foot, you know, the best move forward is. And we're able to work through that as two business partners would that aren't married, but then we are. Yeah. We were talking about this yesterday too. We kind of have this yes and no, but mentality. So when, and I think the no but is actually more important, but uh, maybe I'll bring something to Caroline. And I'm like, hey, I have this idea. I want, you know, we should do this. It's not okay for Caroline just to go no, because that really has a lot of negative impact long-term, especially. It's okay for her to go no, but what if? what if we do this? Or what if we change it this way? Or have you thought about how that might impact this? And then that's where I can take the no, not as a criticism of me or of the idea being bad, but I can go, oh, okay, thanks. You're collaborating with me on this. You're not just shooting this idea down. And by the way, my no but is usually phrased as like, I love the energy. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I love where you're at with <laughs> yeah. this. I love where your head is at. I lo- like starting that, that, you know, um, if you do have something that you feel like is a rebuttal to an idea, starting with, first, let me just affirm the fact that you brought a really great idea to the table. And then not just stopping it, but saying, okay, now here's my solution for how I actually could see that being even better for X, Y, and Z reason. Mm-hmm. And then when we're brainstorming and stuff, we always like to do like the improv yes and thing, which is just like, And we set boundaries for it, which is like, okay, this is a no bad ideas brainstorm, which means we don't shut anything down within the confines of this meeting. So it's everything is a yes and. And so that really helps us also build upon each other's ideas and not feel like we're constantly in this like tug of war, you know, like we can actually get somewhere. If folks are kind of interested to see a little more about what you guys are doing with Wandering Aimfully or with the new um, book that you just published, Jason, where should they go to find out about some of that stuff? Yeah, go to Google, type in Wandering (laughs) Aimlessly and then Backspace Aimlessly because you wrote it wrong. Uh, No, just wanderingaimfully.com is is our website. You can find everything there if you're even interested in like the group coaching thing and you want to see this emoji sales page we put together. It is super fun. We really like it. It, It's kind of fun. And look for the big secret. There's a fun little thing with that as well. (laughs) And then, yeah, uh, Own Your Weird, my new book is out. Everywhere books are sold. I think most people would just go to Amazon and try and find it there. Uh, But you can even walk into bookstores. If people do that, I doubt people do that. We don't do that. But it is available in bookstores as well and would love for people to check it out and own whatever makes them unique or different. There's a lot of actionable stuff in there, not just my stories of how I've been a weirdo. Uh, So yeah, that's how you can find us. All right, awesome. And then kind of one final question. Um, How do you find latitude in your life and your business and what does that mean to you? I immediately think of longitude and latitude lines on the planet, so I'm going to defer to Caroline. (laughs) When I think of latitude, I think of space. And so I think we touched on that a little bit with all of these different routines and things that we had. But um, I think a lot of business owners, we have this habit of figuring out what our capacity is and then filling it to the absolute max. And to me, latitude means leaving room for in that capacity for just empty space, stillness, joy, walks, uh, you know, whatever that looks like in your life, the thing that isn't hustling or business. So to me, it just means like being intentional about leaving extra room um, in your business so that you can actually live your life. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much to both of you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. So here's how Latitude works. It's the full interview you just finished listening to. Then next time I'll break down some of the topics and themes we just discussed. 
This short, focused, and extremely actionable episode goes even deeper into some of what we've covered today. Make sure to hit subscribe to get that and other upcoming interviews. This is also the part of the show where I'm supposed to ask you to rate and review the podcast. Instead, I want to make you a little more actionable about applying some of the things we've talked about today. So send a tweet, message, email, or carrier pigeon to a friend about the one thing you learned and how you'll apply it to your business this week. Or send it to me on Twitter at Zavzen. Links and more are in the show notes at createlatitude.com slash podcast. And I just want to remind you that you already have the tools you need to create a little more latitude in your day, your business, and your life. 